This is lesson number four in the life of Abraham, going and not knowing. I want to use two references, please. One from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. The second would come from the book of James, chapter 2. Oh, let us keep going with you, Lord. And this will be James 15, if you will. And, pardon me, let's go with John 15, verse 13. John 15 and 13. If you have a red letter edition of scripture, you'd observe that it acknowledges in red the words of the Lord Jesus. These are such words in verse 13 of John 15. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you, Jesus said. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father. I've made it known to you. And then, if you will, James chapter 2. And you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen. Only one verse, actually. James 2 and 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. It dawned on me this week that in all my years of preaching, I have never preached a lesson on the friend of God. I have been glad to be developing a friendship with him, but this has been enlightening to me. And I I told Miss Ann in the entrance of the service before I came in that this is one of those places where I opened up some treasures that... Uh, one sermon's not going to be enough, but I'll go as far as I can because there's such power in being a friend of God. I would ask you before you're seated, if you point your hands in my direction, would you offer a prayer for me? Would you do that specifically? A prayer of God's help and anointing for me and I will for you. Oh God, it's not like we don't feel the spirit and know that you're here because uh, we have to be numb spiritually to not feel and know your presence. But I don't believe we're numb. I believe we're just getting more and more life because of your presence. On this May 6, 2012, a day we will never have again, these moments we'll never have again, may the video show, may the record show that we were in your presence and that you had freedom to operate among us. And I pray for the fresh anointing to preach today. Would you cause me to forget anything that's of my flesh and remember only the things that are of the Spirit? Would you make us one together in your word, O oh God? Because I just pray today that we would, we would find transformation, power, wisdom, everything we need, O oh God, from the word of God, which you yourself said that we shall know the truth, it shall make us free. And so, God, we ever want to be friends with a lot of people. But we like friends. We need them. But, O oh God, the greatest testimony we could have is that you call us your friend. For that, we're grateful by faith. And everybody say amen. And amen it is. Thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to choose for today's lesson, friend of God, and I want to begin by saying this to you, that everybody needs a friend. It is a innate, universally felt need within every human personality. There's a need for friendship. It is a need that is sought and pursued. A friend. To live without a friend is to reverse the old adage that says, no man is an island. Because without a friend, you are like an island. 
To live without a friend is to be like John the Revelator, the one who was imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, the author of the book of Revelation, John the Revelator. He was imprisoned on an island in the Aegean Sea, the island of Patmos. To live without a friend would be like, like, to be like John the Revelator, who was far from the crossroads of human interaction. Without a friend, one faces life with loneliness as their companion and alienation as their comrade. Without a friend, the only response we get to the questions life poses would be the result of limited resources of me, myself, and I. And if the only resource you have for living in this world is a resource that comes from yourself without the help of other people, you would live in a pretty small world. Everybody needs a friend. Somewhere in Scripture, the Bible says two are better than one. And so I believe that we are on safe ground today to declare that everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs a friend. And it reminds me of the song made popular during my teenage years. And we hear it even now. Everybody. We all need somebody to lean on. Those are good words. Can you give me an amen? In your life and in my life, regardless of how independent we are, how self-reliant we may be, we need somebody who is loving and loyal. I'm headed somewhere with this. We need somebody who is trusted and true. We need someone who is willing to be our confidant and sometimes our counselor. We need that. We need somebody who will be devoted to us in dark hours. They'll be present with us in moments of pain. People who will be sympathetic with us in times of sickness and suffering. Because everybody needs a friend. And I'd like to remind you this in my passing through here in this introduction, this lesson. I'd like to say to you that everybody with whom you are friendly is not a friend. Everybody that you have a social relationship with does not qualify for genuine Friendship status. Because a good friend is hard to find. Good friend. I do not do Facebook because I told you that if you want to see my face, come to church. I'm not against Facebook. Okay? I think it has its values and I'm not against people doing Facebook and all the other links, link ups. But I've been told in Facebook that you are invited by a friend. To be a friend. Am I on track here? You just can't pop up and be their friend on Facebook. You've got to be invited. But I'm also told on Facebook that they can defriend you without asking you. <laughs> because uh, everybody that you have a social relationship doesn't qualify for genuine friendship status. And that's why we've been told from time to time about friendship that a man is known by the company he keeps. And whether you and I like it or not, the world judges you and I by the quality and character of the people that we call friend. And so for that reason, I thought I should remind you that everybody who claims to be your friend may not really be your friend. And I'd like to show you what I mean. Think for a moment about Cain and Abel. They had the same genetic background. They were brothers by blood. They had the same mother and father, Adam and Eve, 
But the word says Cain killed his brother Abel. Now, if relatives will do you that way, just think what friends might do. Jacob and Esau were twin brothers, the sons of Isaac and Rebekah. But you read where Jacob got in good with his mama and cheated and deceived and lied so much that Esau, his brother, lost his inheritance and all Esau ended up with was a bowl of lentil peas. You can't be good friends with no peas. Just thought I'd help you out. You do recall Samson and Delilah, don't you? Delilah proves that even your lover may not be your friend. I think that Samson, forgive me Valerie for using this word you don't like, but I think that after three times of Delilah uh, trying to kill the man, I think he was stricken with stupid. Stricken. You know, love is blind, but it can be stupid. Well, uh, let me keep meddling. Husbands and wives can live in the same house, eat some of the same meals, and share the same bed and still not be friends. Delilah, you see, was the one who cut Samson's seven locks of hair and shaved his head when he told her his heart. Delilah was the one who turned him in to his arch enemies, the Philistines, who gorged out his eyes and made him grind like an oxen in a mill and, and, the, and humiliated him, proving to you and I that even your lover may not be your friend. The Bible says about Job that he had three so-called friends. Their names was Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. With names like that, I don't think it would be a good start. In the time of Job's deepest distress, in the time of his greatest need, he called these so-called friends physicians of no value. Even Jesus discovered that his closest associates could not be counted on. Peter denied him. Thomas doubted him. Judas sold him for 30 lousy pieces of silver. And I'm saying all this to substantiate my claim that even though everybody needs a friend, a good friend, a real friend is hard to come by. And I might add on the subject of friendship that there are many who have no friends because they do not make themselves available for friendship. And I know that having said what I said, that sometimes we don't want to have any friends because if friends will do me like that, I think I'll be fine without them. But but we still need friends. I, I would say to you that you won't develop an authentic friendship if you're always negative with people. You and I won't experience friendship if we're always critical and complaining all the time. The Word says if you're going to have a friend, you must be found friendly. You can't expect to have a friend if you don't know how to be a friend. So if you have a friend, you ought to thank God for them. You ought to thank God for your friends, those who accept you for what you are and don't judge you for what you're not. You and I to thank God for friends who appreciate our strengths, and yet they stand by us in spite of our weakness. Can I get another amen? And, and let me tell you something else about friendship. While you're thanking God for your friend, don't forget to thank God for your enemies. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, Jesus said, But I say unto you, love your enemies. 
Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I prayed for my enemies. I said, God, kill them quick. That ain't what it means. That ain't what it means. Look at your neighbor and say, no, don't do that. I will tell you about my enemies. Some of my enemies have caused me to get a lot closer to God than I would be and had I not helped them. I have made some altars, fasted, and prayed some prayers that God wouldn't have even got that time of my life. It wasn't for some people who blew in my life. And, and, and they came across like enemies. My enemies, by the grace of God, have helped me got closer, get closer to God. And now, as far as I know, I don't have any enemies. And as far as I know, the slate is clean. But, <laughs> help me, Jesus. i got to keep bringing it under the blood. So, so we ought to thank God for our enemies because they help us get close to God. Having said all that now, what about Abraham? Having said that, this is the fourth week on the life of Abraham, the theme being going, not knowing. What about Abraham? And I think it's so remarkable that when I read the Word of God, that God had such a relationship with a man until he could call him his friend. I, I'm saying that to tell you that James says to us in the text I read to you that Abraham was the friend of God. This was not Abraham's assessment of his relationship with God. Abraham didn't get up one day and say, I'm a friend of God. Therefore, God said, okay, I guess you'll be my friend. No, God said it was God's evaluation of Abraham's relationship with him that God says, you're a friend of mine. Look at Bible personalities. Moses, for example, he led the first protest march against slavery. He did a great thing. Solomon, for example, he was endowed by God to be the wisest man that ever lived in the world. Job. Job was God's example of a man who persevered in times of predicaments and pain. Nehemiah was called the builder of walls because when the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed, God put it in his heart to go build the walls. It was mighty significant. Isaiah was a prophet of God whose lips were touched by the fingers of an angel of God. What a wonderful opportunity. Amos was called God's messenger for justice. Paul was God's evangelist to the Gentiles. David was called a man who was the apple of God's eye. But only Abraham, nobody else in Bible history, only Abraham was known as a friend of God. Wow. Causes me to ask the question, what does it take to be God's friend? And the first response is right priorities. God's priorities. We are on the path to becoming a friend of God when we appreciate the fact that Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you, all of the other things of life. How do I become a friend of God? I, I, whatever is valuable to Him, I'll value Whatever is his priority becomes my priority. Can I get another amen here? Uh, I, I am saying to you that I appreciate the priorities of God because here's what I understand. A good friend isn't always looking to get something from somebody. Oh, somebody say amen. Now, when I think about friendship, I can't help but relate to you Abraham and Lot's experience. You understand that 
Lot was the nephew of Abraham. And you understand that when God called Abraham at age 75 from the region of the world that he lived in, known as Ur of the Chaldeans, that Lot, his nephew, went along with him. And when you study the life journey of Abraham, Abraham was blessed beyond measure. But so was Lot. And you need to understand that Lot got all of his blessings because of Abraham's obedience. Can I get an amen? You see, the thing, Lot's whole life can be summed up with this. Lot, who went with Abraham. When Abraham went, he went. When Abraham stopped, he stopped. When Abraham got much, he got much. Lot, just living in the shadow of the friend of God and watching God bless him. Lot just said, this man is blessed. This man is favored. This man has connections with God. He is called a friend of God. I just think I'll hang around him. And just by being around a friend of God, he got blessed. But brothers and sisters, Lot got so blessed until Lot and Abraham's herds were so numerous that the land could not contain them both. And because the herdsmen of Abraham and the herdsmen of Lot began to argue over well water and grazing rights and etc. of the herds, Abraham says, look, Lot, we are brothers. We, can't, we, we don't need to have strife between us. We are friends. So here's what I'm going to do. You look at the land all before you, all around you. Do a 360 degrees. And whatever direction you choose to go in by the land you choose, you take your family, you take your herd, you take your livestock, you go that direction and I'll go another direction. I, I'm just going to let you have your choice Because my priority is not property, and my priority is not land, and my priority is not house. My priority is pleasing God. Matter of fact, Abraham said somewhere along the way, God told me that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God told me all the gold is his, all the silver is his. God told me that everything belongs to him. So I'm going to let you choose whatever you want, Lot, wherever you go. And whatever God chooses for me, whatever is left over, I'll be all right. Because my priority is God's choice. But isn't it like a worldly friendship to forget how you got your blessings? And I don't want to tarry here long. Lot's priorities was materialism and wealth and livestock and things. As long as things were going a little tough and difficult, he would hang with Abraham because he knew he'd be covered. But when prosperity... See, that's one of the places that many Christians fall. When God blesses us with prosperity, we abandon God. When God answers the prayer and increases the income and gives us the house and gives us the car, even throws in a boat and blesses us, and we, we ask God months and years before, if you get me here, I'll honor you. Next thing you know, God, we understood because we were tested, we couldn't be trusted with prosperity. And the Bible says, a, a Lot looked in the directions of the plains of the River Jordan. 
And he showed up with, they were lush, they were green, they were fertile. And he saw the cities of the plain, and it represented commerce and trade and livestock. And and he saw all, he had been looking anyhow. And, And the Bible says he chose to go to the plains of Jordan, which was in the proximity of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Help me here, somebody. And, and, and here, here's, what, here's what really is troubling. God doesn't do this to us. Sometimes we do it to God. He should have said, Uncle Abraham, I got cattle because of you. I got, li- I, I got a family because of you. I got gold and silver. because Uncle Abraham, you remember, and, and you brought me through a lot of stuff. You remember after he went, after he chose that part of the world to live in, do you remember Abraham goes after he's kidnapped, he and his family, and the, their camp was raided, and they were, they were taken hostage. I'm preaching to you. Abraham gets about 386 of his, of his helpers and goes, rescues Lot. That's the kind of friendship. He should have said, Father Abraham, you're like a father to me. I want you to choose wherever you want to go. Father Abraham, if you choose wherever you go, I'll take the rest because I'm blessed because of you. How dare we shake our fingers in the face of God and said, you promised to make me rich. You promised to do so and so. And therefore you didn't do it, so I'm not going to tithe. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to believe the Bible. I'm just going to live like I want to. How dare we tell God what to do when He has been so good to us. And I'm trying to tell you that Abraham says... Whatever God wants me to have, I'll have. Lot heads to that valley. And the Bible said he pitched his tent near Sodom. And you know Sodom, the word Sodom, is the word associated with the most lewd of human sexual perversion. And that is the gay lifestyle. Because before they were called gay, they were called homosexuals. And before they were called homosexuals, those who chose that lifestyle were called sodomites. Now look at me and listen to me because if I had made you mad yet, this is the time. I'm not here to make you mad. I'm not here to make you mad, but I need, I need you to understand the biblical position. Okay? God said, Abraham said, I'm going to let God choose. And therefore, by letting God choose, Abraham escaped the perversion didn't even know it was there to the degree. And Lot goes into a city and a place, twin cities, where it's given to the most base of human lewdness. Hear me when I tell you that God loves everybody. He loves every sinner, thief, liar, adulterer, fornicator, rebellious, angry, Homosexuals, lesbians, he loves them all. Just because it's become politically correct in America for a man to be with a man and a woman to be with a woman, even in eight states of our union for a legalized marriage, doesn't mean that God has changed his mind about the sin of Sodom. Please listen to me and hear me. I have preached long enough to know That I could exploit the moment. But I'm not here to exploit the moment. I'm here to tell you the truth. You will have no ambiguity about where I stand. If somebody in your family needs counseling about this lifestyle. I'll be happy to counsel. I'll be happy to pray. God, but listen to me. This past week. 
ABC News featured Ellen DeGeneres. Generous. I, I don't really know her name. Uh, what is it? Yeah. Okay. And they celebrated her as the person of the week or some hi- highlight because it's now been 15 years since, according to Diane Sawyer. I, I, I have very little use for ABC News. I'm going to go ahead and identify where I am, okay? I have very little use, okay, for Barbara Waters and, and her whole crowd. Since they're not ambiguous about calling we Christians out, why should I be ambiguous about calling them out? Okay? So, if I see myself on YouTube because you put me there, I ain't changing my mind. You understand? Okay? I want you to, I want you to understand. They said 15 years ago, Ellen DeGeneres came up and uh, announced herself to be a lesbian. And during that time, uh, J.C. Penney's had removed their ads that was in the slot of her show 15 years ago. Remove the ads of endorsing her show or what would, would be the endorsement of her show. And now Barbara Waters and others at J.C. Penney's are celebrating 15 years that they've made a 180 degree turn. And now she, she is the spokesperson for J.C. Penney's. Because they have adopted the lifestyle of homosexuality, man with man, woman with woman, as acceptable. Now, now, please hear me when I tell you this, okay? I, I saw it in the, in, there is a magazine that has come to your house. It's come to my house from J.C. Penney's. And in somewhere in about the fourth or fifth page, there are pictures there of a homosexual lesbian couple. A woman with another woman with children around them. And it says, by name the woman, whether it's a fictitious name, I don't know. But it names the woman and says her partner with her. Meaning her sexual partner. Okay? Now, now listen to this preacher, okay? Listen to this preacher. I have made up my mind. Two things need to happen with me. I need to write J.C. Penney's and let him know. Do you know the man who founded J.C. Penney's outlet store was a born-again Christian? Do you know that God delivered him from death when he was in a home to die? Like a nursing home, he was to die. And God delivered him from death through a song and a singer and brought him. And he turned his, he turned his life around and began to tithe and give from his store. L- l- listen to me now. So I need to write J.C. Penney's and let him know how I feel. And number two, I need to shun J.C. Penney's altogether. Okay? L- listen to me. I, I don't have to have a lot of shirts and coats and ties and socks. I can get them someplace else. Okay? I, I can, I, I'm, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, when you are a friend of God, you're going to have to take some flack for your friend. He's taken a lot of flack for you. Matter of fact, his son, Jesus, died for us to have his friendship and eternal life. And so we Christians need not stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and act like nothing danger is around. We have to rise up and say that while I love everybody and God loves everybody, my choice is God. I'd rather be a friend of God and a friend of the world and the flesh and the devil. The world didn't save me. J.C. Penny didn't buy my salvation. Ellen the generous doesn't even know my name. But God knows who I am. And I will be a friend of God. Friend of God. That's, that's what I want to be. So I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you, if the windows of our shopping opportunity gets narrow, let it narrow. God's going to take care of me. 
If the restaurants we eat at narrows, let it get narrow. Pastor, I work for J.C. Penney's. I'm praying that they get right or you find a better job. Pastor, I work for Coca-Cola and I work for Delta. And I know that you have to work. And I'm not telling you to go in there and blatantly and give up your job. But I'm praying either they change or God gives you a better company or you start your own business that glorifies God. I'm sorry. I don't have three points in a poem. I just have conviction my priority is his priorities what kind of friend is it if all I'll ever want is a God who could just give me something a good friend isn't always looking to get something from another friend they're looking for some way to be a blessing Ah, I got to hurry here you remember the story of the good Samaritan that's a good friend Huh? The priest, the man of God. You remember the story of the journey between Jerusalem and Jericho? About a 15 mile, I'm not sure that's as far, journey from Jerusalem to Jericho on this road that went through the wilderness and the desert, through gorges and precipices. And it was the most notorious place for bandits and robbers to attack innocent travelers. That happened to a man. He might have been a non-Jew, a Samaritan. There he is laying on the desert floor, having beaten and robbed and bruised and bleeding, almost dead. Here comes the church. The priest comes on one side. I'm a preaching little Indian, if you ever heard of preaching little Indian. Priest comes on, read your Bible. Priest comes on one side. Say, that's a Samaritan. He ain't of my kind. Getting late, I got to go have service. I got a larger crowd waiting for me. And he went on the other side. Then there come a Levite. You know, I'm preaching to myself. Yeah. We just began to sort of met your ministry and got the glory. But, but I, I hear they're closing the buffet at 2 o'clock. Just preach a little man. Yeah. Stephen, give me a high five sitting there looking at me like. Yeah. You've you got to watch it. I'm not asking you to open yourself to people to, to hurt you. But I am asking you to open up yourself in order for you to get. You've got to give. They come on. They come on. Come on, Samaritan. Come another man walking. He got the same schedule. He's got, his life is just as valuable as the priest and the Levite. He got wife and family and children. He got a journey and a destination. He is just as volatile to robbers beating the daylight out of him. I'm kind of passionate, ain't I, Deborah? Don't seem to bother you, Deborah. Love you, girl. But he stops. I don't even know this man's name. don't even know if I stop here and get off my animal and take care of him. If there ain't a few bandits behind several rocks waiting to kill me. Because a friend isn't always looking to get something. I want to be that kind of friend. And you know the rest of the story. Put him on his animal after bandaging his wounds and pouring a healing salve on him. Took him to a day's inn. Or a Motel 6. And said, this, I don't even know this man's name. He's got a half out of it. Put him up in the room. Here's some money to cover tonight. Give him some food. I'm coming back here through a day or two from now. If he stays longer than you thought and I thought, I'll bring you some more money. That's a friend. I got to move on here. Because if I stay preaching like that, I might lose some friends. Uh, what does it take to be God's friend? God's friends, or good friends, pardon me, good friends know how to talk to each other. Amen. 
Oh, yeah. This is beautiful in the life of Abraham. Because a good friend won't just agree with you all the time. And really, if, if you are a good friend, you don't need somebody that takes your side on every issue and always thinks that your point is the best. Good friends can have friendly arguments and still be on the same side. Uh, good friends can disagree without being disagreeable. Good friends need not always see eye to eye, but they must be willing to listen to what the others have to say. You see, this friendship with God has more to do with just us talking. I need my light bill. I need my mortgage. I need my marriage. I need my health. I need my job. God, I need my healing. Oh, I got this long, I need, I need, I need list. I've been guilty too. Oh, oh just a need. Good friends stop and say, uh, before I say anything further, dear Lord, would you have something that you'd like to say to me? Uh, 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 a, fr- a person who talks with God, I'm just trying to help you here. Uh, they take their Bible on occasion with them in their place of prayer so the Holy Spirit can lead them to read the Word and God talk to them. A good friend sometime along the way might even take a notepad or, or a card or something and put it in their Bible with a pen with them and say, You know, I already know what I need to tell God, but I wonder what He needs to tell me I've got to write down today. Can I get an amen here, somebody? And, and so there came an occasion in the life of Abraham when Lot, who was causing a lot of trouble, the boy was named right. <laughs> I just dawned on me. Maybe we should name some of our children Lot. Some, isn't this amazing? That you could have such a good time in being a preacher. And I, he is in Sodom and Gomorrah. The wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah has come up in the nostrils of God. How many know sin has an aroma that is grievous to God and should be grievous to the sinner? Oh, we know sin has an aroma. And in the life of Abraham, right after God made a covenant with him. And I preached about it last week. Remember I told you about Abraham had to drive off the vultures that came to eat up his covenant. And that you and I have to drive off the vultures that try to steal our friendship with God. Right after. Right after that, it takes place with God making his covenant. And the angels visiting Abraham... And reaffirming that he's going to have a son and his wife is going to get pregnant. And though he is 99 years old and she is 89, when he turns 100, they'll have the promised son. When she turns 90, of course, and Isaac is coming. And right after all, God has already told him what, what I've been preaching. I'll make your, uh, your descendants so numerous, they'll be as innumerable as the stars of the heaven. And the sands on the shiso is coming, it's coming, friend, it's coming. The angels left him and headed to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because the stench of the perversion and sin came up to God, the cries. And God says, the only thing I know to do, having done everything else, give grace and mercy to these people. Since Lot's influence and witness didn't change him. 
And the other chance is, I'm after to destroy these cities. But here's what God says. Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Hey, look at me just a minute. When's the last time God ever asked us permission about anything? And does he ever need to? I didn't hear you. When's the, when, when's the last time God ever said, you know, Alan, I, I've been thinking about something here. I just want, I want to run it by you. <laughs> and this is what he does with Abraham. Shall I hide from him? I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him that the Sodom and Gomorrah has become so wretched that I'm going to send down fire and brimstone. And Abraham and God had a little conversation, discussion, because I'm telling you, good friends know how to talk to each other. Abraham says, wait a minute, God. Wait wait just a minute now. I don't agree with you right here. Don't agree with you. Uh, With all due respect, God, will you destroy the righteous people with the wicked people? And when God said, uh, well, uh, it's a good point. It's a good point. I tell you what. Abraham says, if I find 50 righteous people, if you can find 50 righteous people uh, in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, whose population could have been well over 200,000, if I could just find 50 righteous people, I'll save the whole two cities. Abraham says, sounds good. Uh, before you leave, God, I'm a little, I know 150,000 people, but, but if you don't find 50, what if you find 45? Okay, because of me and you, we are friends. If I find 45 whoop glory people in there, just a little editing, I'm going to save the whole bunch of them. God, you and I have been talking a little while now. And I know I'm pressing your patience here. What were you telling me about what's going to happen? But what about if you find 40 people? Yeah, for 40 righteous. Uh, God, uh, what about 30? What about 20? Okay, God, I'm finished talking. 20. I'll save the whole. And before you leave, God, I just want to ask one more thing. 10, 10, 10. 10, 10. If I find 10. Because what he's trying to do is include Lot's household, his nephew. God says, if I find ten, because you're my friend. How many know you've been blessed because of somebody else? How many of you here this morning have been blessed because your mama, your grandmama, somebody loved God, prayed for you when you weren't? Yeah? See, I, uh, I know a a lot about personalities who are of eminence in the world because I try to read and listen. I know about Queen Elizabeth, but she ain't my friend. She hadn't Facebooked me or nothing. She didn't ask me. I knew about George Bush. I know about President Obama. With all due respect, he's not my friend. We, we don't sit down together and chat a little bit. I'm talking about knowing somebody personally. Personally. I'm finished asking God, you do what you have to do. But God would have saved. You see what I'm saying? And the, the last thought, and this will be it. What does it take to be a God's friend? Because 
Because of their friendship, God and Abraham was willing to sacrifice all. Because of their friendship. Uh, last Sunday I preached, and I should have put more emphasis on covenant and marriage. The greatest covenant in, in the human relationship is outside of God is marriage. And let me tell you this, I've been married to my bride for 33 years. And if I had to remarry Valerie again, I'd do it sooner. Because she is my best friend. Listen, I mean, she, is, she is my right hand, left hand. I asked her about the tie this morning. I knew there was some purple in it. But I said, does it go? Does it go? She said, yes. Now you go. Now she didn't say that. I, I, I tell you as we get older and different things happen with us. I like you and I want to go to dinner with you. But if I was given a choice between you and she, I'd say to you, I stole away go. What did I just say? See you later? Exactly. See you later. You know a friend stays with you when you had a head full of hair and you ain't got none now? That's a friend. God said to Abraham, take your boy. Take your son, your only child. He's 12 years now. Take him up to Mount Moriah. I want you to kill him. Whoa, 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 just a minute. I got servants. I got animals. I got the best of flock. I got gold and silver. Why can't you ask me for some of that? I'll give you that. Like that. No. I want your son. They go up to the mountain. He took his boy. You know the story. He tied him up on the altar. And as his boy was speaking, he said, Father, here's the wood. Here's the fire for the altar. Here's all that we need. I've been doing this with you. You showed me how to offer animals and sacrifices. But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb that, or the ram or the goat or the bullock or the oxen or the whatever? Where is the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will provide himself a lamb. God will provide himself a lamb. God stopped Abraham from killing his boy because he understood that Abraham did love God more than he did his boy. Pardon the simplicity, but God had a boy. His name was Jesus. And the devil says, in order for me to give you man back and restore God's friendship with man that was broken in the garden, Here's what I'll do, the devil says. I'll take every last drop of the blood of your boy, Jesus. And God said, it's done. I will give my all for Chad, for Alan, for Calvin, for Sammy, for Daryl. God says, because... Of my desire for friendship with man and woman. I will let my son hang just about totally naked and wretched and in humiliation. 
before the whole world. I'll give my all before I see my friend burn in hell. Bow your heads. Shut up, So I don't know anybody else who will die for you. But Jesus did. What is your friendship status today? Heads bowed and eyes closed. What is your friendship status with him? Is it a receiving end only? I receive, receive, receive. Is it I get the blessing and when I get the blessings I abandon him like Lot did Abraham? Is it a feel good only? And I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to examine myself. Because you can't imagine, I can't imagine what a friendship of God could mean with, for us. Would you say with me this morning as we close in prayer, somehow along the way as your head to bow and eyes are closed, I want to rearrange my priorities, God. God, I've got to get rid of some friends because they're baggage. I've got to add you to the top of my list, Jesus. In order to become a friend of God, we don't just hook up. We have to confess our sins and forsake them. If you've been back in sin in recent time and you know that your friendship with God is strange and you say, I want to come back to him. Now is a good time. Pastor, I need the Lord as my Savior today. He gave his all. He's not asking me to give my life. But in some sense, he is. He's asking me to give my life to him. And I can do that because I'm better off with him than without him. I need to be saved. I need to return to Christ. Heads about and eyes are closed. Lift your hand if that's you. I need to return to him. Oh, I need to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You may put him down. Blessed be God. Stand with me all over the church, would you? Would you stand in a moment of transition? And if we can do it just reverentially. Oh, my, 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 my. I really didn't intend to end this way. I, I thought about it in a different kind of way, but here we are. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Look at me and hear me now. You have nobody who loves you like Jesus. Please hear me. Nobody cares for you like Jesus. He doesn't always explain himself. Doesn't always show up on our schedule. But he's a friend that is closer than a brother. When mother and father forsake you, he'll take you up. He's not pushing himself on you. But if you'll invite him, his Holy Spirit will do the work. I want my prayer team to come and stand at the altar. And then after I pray for the church, if you need a friend to heal your body, and you say, Pastor, before I leave here, I want prayer for healing, then you're welcome to do that in transition of the services. Look at me just a moment. Pastor, I need, I need somebody to pray with me about the friendship of our marriage. What you said about you and Miss Valerie is commendable and, and it's good, but it's not our home. I'm not here to embarrass you. Good marriages take a lot of work. Can I get an amen? amen? And maybe good marriages are better because of the other partner. It's probably the case in my situation. But I, I, my point is, you may need more than a friend of a Savior. You know, of course, I, I feel something that I cannot describe to you. And I, I, I just, I'm kind of in quandary. I feel, I feel something.
Would you, would you just worship him with me and thank him for his friendship all over the church? Uh, maybe, maybe the Lord wants me to release you. Go ahead. Well, tell him whatever you want to. Go ahead. Whatever you want to say to your loving... Fr- thank him for his friendship. Come on, all over this house. Raise your voices a little bit. Thank him for putting up with it. Thank him for being your mother when you needed a mother and your, and, and your father. Uh, some of you have loved ones who are going on to heaven. You need a... Fr- Come on, thank him for being a, a husband or a wife. Come on, li- lift up your praises. Ask him to help you to be a better friend. Oh God, I just lift up my hands with this church this morning. And I pray that I can do better by you, God. Oh God, we all fall short of the kingdom of God. But I ask you that you'd forgive us this morning for being like Lot, only wanting your friendship because we can get something. I ask you to forgive us this morning, God, for having priorities of property and possessions and other people and not the priority of the kingdom of God. I ask you, God, to forgive us for abusing our our friendship. We we only want to talk to you when we have a trial. I pray that you can sit down with us in the cool of the day like you sat with Adam and Eve and visit with us. I pray we'd be a better friend than the Levite and the priest. But when we find people on the road to Jericho who are broken and bruised and busted, that we will pour oil on them. Raise up your hand. I need some intercessors. I need some praying people here. I thank you, Lord. Come on, while, while you worship and sing, if you will, my brother. Come on. God's still here. Thank you, Jesus. The altars are open. I'm going to ask you to come while you worship. Sing, my brother. Mm, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm waiting. Who am I that 